I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I am Trevor Sikma. That is Connor Rogers joining you guys after night one of the 2023 NFL Draft. I'm already not knowing how to do this live broadcast because I can already hear my echo um, out on on the other video as it's pulled up, but we're figuring it out. I got to mute it now. Connor, how we doing, my friend? I, I'm 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 sleep deprived. I'm I'm yeah. a little bit loopy after being on the desk for like five straight hours, but I'm uh, I'm ready to talk about these prospects. How are you, my friend? I'm good, brother. I'm excited. It was a, a draft full of drama. The drama lingers into day two, but it was awesome, man. There was some picks that I think nobody saw coming, and then of course the surprises that you were trying to brace for uh, lived up to the hype. So, and you know what? Some teams did really really well tonight too, which is awesome. So. We're gonna go through it all. It's gonna be it's gonna be really cool to kind of decipher what we've been trying to predict for it feels like almost a year now. So I'm pumped, dude. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the teams that we think won the early portion of the draft, the first day of the 2023 NFL draft. Maybe some teams that made some puzzling moves, but this draft, however you splice it, gave us no shortage of things to talk about. So we're gonna try to get to as many storylines as we possibly can here on this show. Thank you so much for everybody who is watching us live. It is 1.30 a.m. Eastern. So if you are watching this and you are in the chat, we love you so much. We know that you guys can't get enough of the NFL draft just like we can. We wanted to go live because we wanted to let you guys be in the chat with us. We wanted to make this a full reaction type of a show. So um, that was the whole point, and that's what we're going to be doing here on this show. Buddy, we can just start all the way at the very top, and we can work our way down. We can find whatever storylines we want to talk about as we get through this entire process. Bryce Young going number one overall. There wasn't really any debate about this one, so we don't have to spend too much time. This is the guy that we believed was going to go number one overall in the end. But C.J. Stroud making a late push to go number two overall, maybe the push that always should have been there to go number two overall. Is it the astronaut meme? Is it the always was? Like, <laughs> like what the hell, dude? Earth is flat? Always yeah, was. Always was. <laughs> it really feels that way. That is actually a perfect way to encapsulate this one. Look, uh, was it yesterday? I don't even remember. Days are moving together. Oh, point. I know. When we did our final mock draft episode, we had Will Anderson to the Houston Texans. And Will Anderson did become a Houston Texan. We will get to that in a second. But we also had the conversation that it's felt like the front office and the coaching staff wanted a defensive player. 
but the guy who signs their checks ultimately makes the call. Connor, I really do wonder if Cal McNair stepped up today because the yeah. odds for C.J. Stroud to go number two overall shot up this afternoon, just out of nowhere, skyrocketed for him to be the favorite. And I really do wonder if McNair went, no, 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 no. You're not doing this. You're not having the number two overall pick and not taking a quarterback. We're taking a quarterback. Do you think that's what happened? Or do you think that we were all fooled all along and that it was CJ? I, I know. I do think there's part of it that is you had sides that were, as we've said, on different timelines and trying to find common ground to work together where it feels like D'Amico Ryans is sitting there and going, you know what, like, I need, I need a pass rusher for this defense, or otherwise, why hire me? Because pass rushers is what makes my great defense go. And then you have an owner that's sitting there and going, well, all I've heard is that there's quarterbacks in this draft, and we don't have one, and we haven't had one, and we're picking in a place where we can get one. And then you have a GM that's probably somewhere in the middle, because when you're the GM, you're you know, obviously trying to cover your own ass and not get yourself fired, and you're trying to uh, – you know, work for the owner and make him happy on the business side of things. But you're also, you hired a head coach that you want to see have success and you should listen to him. So it felt like both sides found the golden plan here, Trevor, that everybody gets what they wanted because this was the draft that if you had the, now let's call it what it is. They gave up a, I don't want to say unheard of, but a wild package to get to three, like great for Arizona, Man. great for Arizona, because for how long Arizona sat in that third overall pick leading up to the draft, I was like, man, maybe they're just not getting what they wanted. So Texans did pay a big price, but everybody comes out happy. And if you're the Texans, it feels if you're a Texans fan, it feels like the foot was finally put on the gas pedal to be a real organization again and now have a stalwart player on defense, have a quarterback under center that you feel like can be somebody that can win you the division. And they got a lot of work to do over these next couple of days, obviously get some more pieces, get things clicking in the right direction. But you know, when you look at it as a whole good on the Texans for finding a way to make everybody happy. And the bottom line is Trevor, they got two really, really good players on each side of the ball in this class that were massive needs for them. Yeah. No, I think that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Unless you really didn't like C.J. Stroud. That's what it would come, come down to. Yeah. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to come away with this and think that the Texans are worse, right? They got two really good football players. They got their what they hope is their quarterback of the future, and they got the top defensive player in this class, depending on how you viewed Jalen Carter. But they drafted two really good players. It's the method in which they did it that really gives me a lot of reservation. You mentioned the price that they paid to move from number 12 to number three. That was a lot, man. And the issue that I have with it isn't going up to get your guy. It's the fact that with two quarterbacks still on the board, and really, now that we know that Will Levis wasn't even a first-round quarterback, it was basically just one quarterback on the board that teams were really fighting for. But still, 
you have to figure there were other teams that were calling Arizona at number three. So with Houston trading up from 12 to three, they are negotiating a price tag that other teams were willing to pay to go up to get a quarterback, and they weren't going to get a quarterback. Anytime you're doing that, man, it's really dangerous. You know you're going to pay a lot for it. So they end up moving, but the draft capital that they gave up, I know they've got two first-round picks next year, but next year's class, I hate to be this guy, you figure's probably going to be better than this class was. So it's just hard for me to accept the way Houston went about this. Their roster objectively got better. But with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, they're still a ways away from competing. They still need more really good talent. It's not like they were just on the edge of it sure. and this puts them over the top. So when you, when, you, when you focus on that, and then when you realize they gave up a lot of extra draft capital that could have gone to those players that would continue to build out the roster, I don't know if I can sign off on this, man. I don't know if I can sign off on how they went about acquiring these two football players who you think are still going to be difference makers for them. I just hope it wasn't a situation where, I mean, maybe this is outlandish to say, an outlandish accusation, but like, is Nick Casario, we've heard the rumblings, right? Whatever it is about not being there long term. And then you you uh, send a trade package like this. Are you just like, well, if it works out for me, then who cares? But if it doesn't, you know, Maybe I won't be here. I, I don't know. And that happens to GMs when it's crunch time. So it's tough. This is a tough one for me to unpack, Trevor, because I love Will Anderson. I thought he was the, I, I you too. know, I thought, thought he was obviously a great player in this draft. I really like CJ Stroud. And I still look at it and go like, wow, that costs a lot to do. It's just you can't cry over spilled milk. Like, I think what I'm arguing internally is I wish they just didn't win that game at the end of the season and got Bryce Young. And that you can't cry over that because it didn't happen. And they were... They worked with what they were afforded to. So interesting draft for the Texans that will be franchise altering one way or the other. I am optimistic on it, but you just wish that, you know, they didn't give up some of those assets so that more pieces would be coming in to specifically help the young quarterback. Cause I still think this is an offense that lacks firepower. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do too. So I think that we're kind of on the same page here. You've obviously got to wait to play it out a little bit, but We'll, we'll get to a team that I think really won the draft in a couple of picks on the other side of this with the oh. Arizona Cardinals. So um, I, I know I know you like that one. Number four overall, the Indianapolis Colts. We weren't able to say it. The bit did not. But we knew come it to life tonight. We, you know what we we had our misses on our final mock, but I feel like we nailed this one in terms of it was never Will Levis. It was never like. I'm sure there was a time through the actual evaluation process that they liked Will Levis. But when the, I'd say 10 days leading up to the draft, when everything was Will Levis, I knew right away that that wasn't their guy. And it goes back to the running bit we've had, like Will Levis, you are a Colt because this is a Ballard quarterback. But something we said along the way was, if if Levis is Ballard's quarterback because he's the traits guy, mm-hmm. why would Anthony Richardson not be Ballard's quarterback because he has better traits in the same mold, right? Dude, I, I love this landing spot. I it's love awesome. this landing it's spot. It's awesome. 
You get to work with Shane Steichen, who did a great job helping Jalen Hurts become the quarterback that he is today, not to take anything away from Jalen Hurts, but he was a part of that process and saw what worked for Jalen as he improved. You've got a good wide receiver core that's continuing to get better, an offensive line that you know they're going to continue to invest in, a good running game with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Dude, Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, that's going to be a hell of a lot of fun, man. I love this landing spot for Anthony Richardson. It goes back to what you and I said on the last podcast episode. We thought that Will Levis was a pawn, right? It just there, were, there was too much smoke with it. There were too many teams that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we were hearing, oh, they might like Levis at the very top of their board. What, are we just figuring this out for the same time? No, it's, it's more likely that this is all a smokescreen that's coming out 10 to 7 days before the NFL draft. Yep. And that's exactly what came to pass. We had three quarterbacks go in the top four. And then we had the other one not even hear his name called. That's yeah, obviously jarring. shocking that's to jarring. me. But I do agree with you that if they were going to take the traits quarterback, take this traits quarterback. Anthony Richardson, you are in Indianapolis Colt. It was a beauty. It was a beauty. I'm excited for what Steichen can do with him and that organization as a whole. And I was happy for Anthony Richardson. He was kind of deemed the slide guy in a lot of late mocks and – I just never got there with him. I was like, he's just too talented. He's going early. He's going really, really early. It's, it was a weird year. I, I like, I missed plenty in the t- my final mock I did for NBC the morning of the draft, but I hit on some really random ones, um, and that was one of them. Was Richardson at four? Something I had a lot of conviction on, and I think it takes us it, exciting times for the Colts. I think something I'll emphasize here: if you know, if you're like, I want to hear more about my team. We're gonna go in depth on every team's draft when yeah. we when we tape the grades show um, mm-hmm. after Saturday, I believe Sunday morning. Uh, that'll be the big you know the big the big show for us here. We kind of want to highlight things that jumped out to us just in night one. And Trevor, for me, I just love what Seattle does. I just <sighs> I I mean they walk out of this draft with. They walk out of this draft with my number one corner in, in Devin Witherspoon, who I really, I truly in my heart believe can be the best defensive player in this draft. I think there's a path for him to be that. And then for them to get Jackson Smith and Jigbo without having to move as their number three wide receiver, when you look at Seattle's offense, that I love DK Metcalf. I love Tyler Lockett. When Lockett, Lockett was hurt, they haven't had that number three guy to lean on. They have balance with running the ball with Kenneth Walker, play action offense with Geno Smith that he's comfortable in. Seattle just how can if you're if you're an employee for Seattle whether you're a coach or a scout or a fan or whatever it may be you walk out of this and go I I, can I draw up a better scenario honestly could I draw it up I just they crushed it man they 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 had a great draft last year and this just felt like everybody screaming to the band to put on an encore and they came out and and freaking played Freebird it was awesome I was that's great that's a good analogy. I was so shocked when they picked Devon Witherspoon. Not because you doubt the talent of him being a top five pick in this draft. I think both of us liked him to that regard. He was a top 10 player, at least for both of us. We've been singing his praises for forever. But Witherspoon is not the type of corner that the Seahawks often prioritize, right? They like those longer, more athletic, those bigger corners. And, and Witherspoon's just not that. He's just a damn good football player. 
and that's what they gravitated towards at the end of the day. This was the first pick of the draft that my jaw hit the floor, that I could not believe because of what was going to be the ripple effect after this. And one pick later with the Detroit Lions, I I wish so bad that I could have been a fly on the wall in that war room. Because I bet there were more F words said out loud between everybody oh, in the buddy. Lions war room within 30 seconds than 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 you would have heard in a in a rated R movie. Like like <laughs> I, I think that they 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 were probably losing it because I know the Lions were so heavily in on Devon Witherspoon. I think they were praying that the Seahawks were gonna take Jalen Carter. When that happened, I was like, here we go. Now everything's going to really hit the fan, and it did with the Lions ending up trading out. But uh, we'll get to those Lions picks in a second. We got a lot of people in the chat that are talking about the Detroit Lions, and they want to get to our, our thoughts on the Lions, and, and we're definitely going to get to that. Wanted to shout out Ethan, who said that he already ordered an Anthony Richardson jersey because he believes that he's going to be so good. So <laughs> he's Go already off, he's King. already he's Go already off. got the. Uh, the the jersey shout out to bengal one of our favorite youtubers in the chat he's already in the chat so we love we we love seeing bengal hanging out with us here late at night talking some nfl draft absolutely love it you got we got more we got more than 800 people in the chat i'm just floored there are 880 people watching this right now like when when i was in the car on the way home from connecticut and I, i don't think i've ever run out of nbc faster i was just like Damn, I texted you right away. I was like, probably going to be close to 115. I started to feel bad because I was like, damn, I know some people are waiting up for this. And here we are. It's 900 people watching this thing right now. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable, man. It, it just makes all of the, it's not like it makes all the work pay off because you love doing the work no matter what, but it makes it extra special. So I, I want to reference number six now because Connor, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I think it's easy to pick the Eagles as a big winner. I think it's easy to pick the Seattle Seahawks as a big winner. Both of those teams did fantastic. My biggest winner on the entire night is the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals got the player that they would have picked at number three. Yeah. At number six. And to do so, they went from three to 12, 12 to six. They picked the player that they want, and they got an extra first-round pick next year for it. It's incredible. That's did you- unbelievable general management ship by Monty Ofsenport in his first time in the big chair. Didn't you find it amazing that in all of the chaos it trickled out that the pick they got is the Texans pick, not the Browns? In I was like, excuse me? Dude. The, yeah. It it is a new era for the Arizona Cardinals, I think. And I and I can tell you that Marvin Harrison, you are a what? Arizona Cardinal. Mar- Marvin Harrison, you are <laughs> the first one. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I I just couldn't believe it, man. I, th- this this trade for them to come out of this draft with Paris Johnson Jr. and a first round pick next year, the Texans' first round pick, and then they moved up one spot in the second round as well, and then they got an extra third round pick next year too. To me, it's, that that's navigating the draft as good as you possibly can. It's very easy to point out the teams that have multiple first round picks, and when they nail it, they go, "Oh yeah, they they absolutely won yeah. the draft." But for the team that only had one spot, for the team that had all of the offers on the table, the way that the Arizona Cardinals did, for them to move all that way back and then just jump up a little bit to six to still get the guy that they would have picked at three, 
I know I'm saying it multiple times now, but I just can't believe the job that the Cardinals did. That is my big winner on the night. They are my biggest winner of how they navigated this draft. They, uh, I called it savvy, what they did. I looked at it, and I know some people are saying that I'm a little louder than you. Uh, we're getting that sorted right out now. I bumped myself down just a little bit. Hopefully, that's helping you guys listening. Oh, I I'm called a little louder? I, they said you're a little low. I was a little loud. Um, oh, okay. All right. So, I, listen, I thought what Arizona did was really, really savvy, especially when you have a new GM and you walk into a situation that you got a quarterback that's dealing with an injury, but you feel good about him or you're excited about him, but you really got to gut the rest of the roster and figure this thing out. And when you can walk out of the draft with the assets to keep that in mind, but you also walk out of the draft by drafting a dude that's going to walk into your facility and everybody goes, Oh, okay. Like it's starting. Like this is a different kind of cat in Paris Johnson, right? You're like, Oh, like this dude's different. Like he, like, that's that's double dipping on the strategy, and it's really, really impressive and really, really hard to pull off. So I'm with you all the way. Um, I thought it was great for Arizona. I, I, is this the part of the draft? Like, we got to do you think we, we have to talk about the Lions pretty significantly? I know they moved out, so I guess we could wait, but I know everybody's let's, in here. Let's 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 jump a little bit. Uh, yeah, Raiders going Tyree Wilson. I think that Tyree Wilson's foot injury is actually a little bit bigger than we thought it was going to be. Yeah, I missed Collins that. Went. And I thought he would, I didn't think he'd slide. And that, that was it. That was it. Chris Collins, Chris Collins was sitting next to me on the PFF desk. And he was telling us that he talked to multiple general managers that all unprompted brought it up when talking mm. about Tyree Wilson. So clearly the foot injury is something that's a big deal. He heard from one of the general managers that Tyree might not even be available at the beginning of the season because he might have to have a procedure wow. done on his foot. So um, that was just one GM that he heard that from. So I know that the foot's a big concern. He ends up going to the Raiders at seven. Bijan goes to the Falcons at eight. We were, we were wondering if they were going to try to get out, but they end up getting their guy at Bijan. We, we thought that that was going to be the case. Yeah, Philly, Arthur, Arthur Smith got him. He did it. Philly, man. How... How do they keep doing it? How does Howie keep doing this? Th let's just package it right now and talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, knock them they both out. They got Jalen Carter and Nolan freaking Smith with picks 9 and picks 30. They didn't even have to give up a ton to go get it. Are you... They got the four best defensive players from what was maybe the best defense in college football history. In the last two years. They got two last year. They got two this year. Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis last year. Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith this year. Incredible. It's incredible. Just unbelievable job by Howie Roseman for him to play the game patiently, to navigate the draft the way that he has the last three or four years to acquire these extra picks. This is how it's done, people. This is truly how you draft in a beautiful way. Eagles are right there again as as probably the Super Bowl favorites once again to to go there from that NFC conference. There's no denying it. I mean, you look at the – they literally watched Georgia's defense and said, like, okay, we want that. And they found a way to execute the plan. And, you know, the number one thing that came to mind for me was it, going through this draft, trying to figure out who was going to take Jalen Carter. And I tried to put myself in the shoes of the evaluators that would be asking themselves that risk and the things that apply. And what I kept coming back to with Philadelphia was – they have an infrastructure in place with veterans on the offensive and defensive line that yes. when Jalen Carter gets there, there are the right people to be like, this is how you're a pro. This is a place where we're bought in. 
if you're not bought in, like it's it's going to be tough to last here. I think the environment Jalen Carter is walking into could not be more perfect. Yeah, honestly, Philadelphia was the team that this risk always made so much sense. And I believe in Jalen Carter's NFL career now, especially with Nolan Smith going there with him, having Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. Now there's familiar familiarity. There's a trust factor. There's veterans there that could step in when needed. This feels like the team that's going to get the most out of Jalen Carter. And the Eagles just, the Eagles fully understand in this era of football that both sides of the ball, the trenches win you games. And they also understand that it can go really, really quick when you need to replenish those sides. And the Eagles have now built a pipeline that they always have the next man up in the trenches on both sides yes. of the ball with yes. top tier size and athleticism. And they just keep, this is going to be something um, that young GMs in football you're going to see over the next day decade try to replicate is what Howie Roseman has done. It's not easy because you need to have the assets and the acumen to be able to pull it off. But I think this is going to be not like money ball, right? But like it'll it'll have a nickname of sorts of a new team's building strategy that Philadelphia has completely built. And it's incredible to witness. Uh, Bengal said Goodell needs to veto this like the CP3 to the Lakers trade that happened uh, a couple of years ago. So I know that there's a lot of people who also are wondering how in the world this was possible with the Philadelphia Eagles. So we're getting back to the order here. Darnell Wright ends up being a top 10 overall pick, ends up going to the Chicago Bears. He was the betting favorite to go to Chicago at number nine overall. <laughs> what? what are you laughing at? This comment from Scout, when Dude Perfect was on the stage for the pick, all I could think of was they were there to draft Will Levis. <laughs> I had some people tweeting me. <laughs> I should we shouldn't be laughing at this, but it's the bit. We're not laughing at we're not laughing no, at Levis. No, no, I promise. I feel we're bad not laughing at Levis. Really we're, we're, we're laughing at the bit because of the dude perfect bit. But <laughs> I just I, when I honestly thought the joke was on me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's, it's too much. It's, it's too much. It, it, it was the good stuff, man. So, all right. Um, Okay, Darnell Wright goes number 10 overall to the uh, to the Chicago Bears. Peter Skronsky ends up going to the Tennessee Titans. They're clearly not worried about the arms. They, they just want a damn good football player, and that makes sense. I thought that maybe that was going to be a landing spot for Will Levis. But when Levis didn't go to the Titans at 11, you know, you figured that something was up. The Detroit Lions at number 12, they select Jameer Gibbs. They also selected Jack Campbell at 18. Connor, your thoughts and opinions on the Lions Hall here, starting the night with 6 and 18 and ending up with Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. Yeah, I had a bigger problem with the Gibbs pick than the Campbell pick, which might surprise people. Although, ah, no, nah, maybe I walked that back. I, here's where I'm stuck, Trevor. I had Gibbs at 20. I had Campbell at 25. Love these guys. Good football players. They both play positions that have become devalued over the years. And the fact was the Lions, when they moved out of six, because it felt like they got the rug pulled out from them, that I'm telling you, the Lions were all in on Witherspoon. On like Witherspoon. That, was, that was their guy. 
They yep. they knew if they couldn't get up for Will Anderson that it was going to be Witherspoon. And they were not going to take Jalen Carter. They weren't signing off on that. So when they moved out of six and back to 12, you sit there in 12 and go, Why? just take Christian Gonzalez. Like, it still worked out for you. You could still get that outside number one corner. Gonzalez well, I guess we should. Way lower than way I lower. thought. I, I just, I, bad. Dude, like, just I, bad drafting. I'm wondering if, well, I'm wondering if the league thought that Gonzalez was just an athlete who happened to play corner and not a football player who happened to be a good athlete. That's, That's how it reads to yeah. me with him falling all the way to the Patriots at 17. Is because if you believed that this guy was a good football player, it's hard to not look at the skill sets and the traits and the, and the physical ability of, of what Christian Gonzalez gives you. Like, that's a top 10 overall player in this class, I think. And we mocked him so. consistently in the top 10. We mocked him to Las Vegas Raiders at seven. We were pretty comfortable with that. He goes 10 picks later, and I, I wonder if it's because, as a whole, did the NFL view him just more of an athlete that happens to play corner and maybe doesn't know what he's doing football-wise yet? That's the, what, that's the feeling I got. What trips me up is I heard that if Tyree didn't slide, the Raiders were going to take Gonzalez. So did he just have this giant gap after that, that nobody, nobody wanted him there, but back to the lions. I just, it's, they didn't get good positional value. I, I don't know why the lions felt the need to get a running back. Like how much do they hate Deandre Swift? Like, honestly, I mean, clearly they have no plans for DeAndre Swift being a part of this football team that are significant. I just didn't think they needed to do this. I think Jack Campbell's going to be a really good football player. So that pick, I just look at it and go like, I'm not going to kill the pick because Campbell gives them stability in the middle of the defense. But it just was disappointing to me that they had the sixth overall pick in the draft. They moved back to 12 and we'll, they have three second round picks. They could really have a huge day tomorrow. There's no denying they could have a huge day. But it just like feels like it sucks that they didn't walk out of this draft with one of Witherspoon or Gonzalez or Kalijah Cansey. Kalijah Cansey. That's another Brian one. Ranch, like any of the outside corners. Real talk. I still would have liked Lucas Van Ness in that defense. Like I Nolan Smith. There, there was just a uh, lot of sure. There was a lot of players. Miles uh, shoot, Murphy. Man. It, it clearly, clearly the league was a little bit lower on when the tight end run was going to start. And I know that Detroit fans didn't love when we gave them a tight end, but I'd rather have the tight end than the draft that they got. Right. I think that lions fans, whenever we draft, when we, oh, they did not like we the gave tight, them end. A tight end, like Dolan Kincaid at 18 or Darnell Washington at 18 lions fans didn't like it. I'm not going to speak for all lions fans, but I got to think they'd probably rather have that corner tight end combination than, than what they got. Clearly, the Lions were of the thinking that we brought up on our last podcast. When I talked about Jameer Gibbs potentially going to the Los Angeles Chargers, I did so under the umbrella that he would be viewed more as an offensive weapon than he would be just a running back. Exactly. If you listen to Brad Holmes after the draft, I caught a little snippet of what he was saying about his players. That's exactly what he said about Gibbs. He's like, we don't view Gibbs as just a running back. Now, unfortunately for Holmes, he also said we don't view Jack Campbell as just an off-ball linebacker, which that doesn't that make doesn't, sense. That doesn't make makes sense. absolutely no sense. So no. that draft Drew Sanders if that's how you felt. That that ultimately gives me less faith that you actually mean that about Jameer Gibbs, but 
Clearly, they thought that he was just the best way to get them more playmaking in the offense. But it's weird having a three-headed running back room this year. You assume that they're moving on from Swift. But at the same time, drafting Gibbs as high as you did at 12 means the contract that you're paying Gibbs right off the bat, even though it's a rookie contract, is one of the better running back contracts in the NFL right off the bat. So good football players, I think I think bad drafting. Bad it's, drafting from the Lions. And isn't it's, it's it weird? For me. I, I have the same takeaway. It's I think both could be like legitimate fan favorites. I think both can be legitimate good football players. Mm-hmm. I think it's bad team building. It's so weird. Like yep. if I'm a Lions fan and I'm just like I'm gonna love those guys, but how many more wins do the Lions get because those are the guys they use top twenty picks on? That's where I walk away from and don't feel as good about it. So it was very hard to dissect as a huge fan of Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. And we said on this podcast, like same, we had Jameer Gibbs going to the Chargers. And it kind of caused the mini freak out. I noticed it, it was kind of a warning of like, this dude is going away. This dude's not in the Bengals territory anymore. It's nope. way advanced to that. This was too early though. It was too early. Um, Packers so, ended up going, Packers ended up going Lucas Van Ness at 13. Very predictable. We, we kind of honed in on edge rusher or offensive yes. tackle being their pick. They end up going with the edge rusher there at Van Ness. I I've been waiting since the second I watched this unfold on draft night. I've been waiting to ask you about what happened next year. Steelers go from 17 to 14 with the New England Patriots, a little trade up there to select Broderick Jones and then put the Jets on the clock immediately after that. Did the Jets make a mistake waiting, Connor? And then what was your thoughts when you watched this whole thing unfold where all of a sudden they did not have an offensive tackle that they were comfortable taking at number 15? It felt very predictable, right? Where, number one, I was surprised that 13 and 15 swap was in that trade. It felt like the Jets just wanted to get it done. I don't know if that was Woody Johnson or whatever it was the week of the draft Probably. rather than holding on. I, I don't think that you need to do that swap to still end up with Aaron Rodgers. And when they did that swap, I, the first thing I said on every content I had to do, I was like, my opinion of it is like, it's good. You got Aaron Rodgers. I thought the trade was fine for both sides. That swap is going to cost you in the draft because you're going behind new England. And ultimately what happened was new England was like, well, we're not going to take the tackle but we'll let somebody come in and take the tackle. So I look at it like this. It's it's kind of a weird, like the Jets didn't get O-line and that's not great for them. Uh, and they're probably really disappointed by that. I think the outrage over Will McDonald was a little exaggerated. Like I had him 27th overall. I think he's, he's built for Robert Sala's wide nine rush alignment where I think he's going to be a fine player. But the Jets... It'll be interesting to see how their entire draft class looks because not walking away with Broderick Jones or Skaronsky or Paris or any of those guys, I wonder if they have a little bit of uh, remorse of, man, you know what? Maybe we should just found a way up because we, we can't just sit there and pray that someone would make it to us. I said for the longest time, someone will make it at 13, and someone did. It was Broderick Jones. Right. I was not that confident about 15 at all. It was a big difference. Yeah, it's it's a major difference, and and when I was on the desk, I kind of echoed a lot of the thoughts that you and I have talked about, and really I've learned from you over the last couple of months is 
sure, if you look on paper and you turn injuries off Madden style, you'd be okay with the Jets offensive mm-hmm. line. But are you really going to, are you really going to have faith that Dwayne Brown's going to last not just an entire regular season, but also the playoffs now, good right? Point. You've got Aaron Rodgers. It's not just 17 it. game regular season. You're thinking three or four games into the playoffs too. Do you think the same thing with Mekhi Becton? Because if you don't have it, 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 both, you wanted insurance. And sure, they have Elijah Vera Tucker, but if you have Elijah Vera Tucker filling in at one of those tackle spots, somebody's got to fill in for him at guard. And so there you go. Uh, it, it just felt like they really needed an offensive lineman for the longest time we've given them Broderick Jones. And I'm not going to lie, man, I don't hate Will McDonald, the player. Right. That's the weird part of it. It's like, I'm not going to kill the player. Right. It's the, but it's the, I, it's the need. I don't like how the Jets went about it. I no, they, I, they I didn't think it was. too passive. I thought so too, and I, th- I think they would internally probably feel that a little bit. I'm sure they were a little shell-shocked, which they shouldn't have been. Good on the Steelers for being aggressive and jumping up and getting Broderick Jones, and that was a big tackle need for them, and I think he'll be a good player in Pittsburgh, and it'll help Kenny Pickett, and it'll help the run game. What Broderick could do from an athleticism standpoint in the run game is huge, and I don't want to overlook the Steelers' element of getting a good player here. Um, but for the Jets, it's definitely a, it's definitely a miss, and I just – Trevor, I'm fascinated how they recalibrate now on day two. Now do they go, you know what? Maybe we do need ABT to kick out a tackle at some point this year. And at 43 is Matthew Bergeron or Tyler Steen or, you know what I mean? Like you just go down the list of these guys that are flex tackle guards and their jets are like, you know what? We got to get one of these guys because we might have to play a little bit of musical chairs on the O-line again. And we got to be better suited for that. Um, Matthew asked, do y'all think that Jameer Gibbs was going to go to New England? That's why Detroit thought they had to take I him didn't. at 12. I don't. I never I, got that sense. I don't know. Um, Brad Holmes, again, I, w- I was listening to him after the draft, and, and he was saying when we took Gibbs at 12, that's when the tech started to come like, hey, he wasn't going to make it to you at 18. Like, he was going soon after. But, you know, Dave Gettleman tried to sell us on that when he took Daniel Jones at six or wherever it was so that's not always truthful even if gm is saying it right after draft night so maybe i I don't think that that would have been the case though so i just wanted to get that question in there 16 commanders ended up taking emmanuel forbes wow wow christian gonzalez wow cb2 in this draft Uh, there's nothing more i'll say than i had gonzalez as the seventh overall player in corner two and i had forbes as the 59th overall player I just, this was, I don't, I, I don't him? like, and I still had a second round grade on Forbes, but, and I knew, I, I knew Forbes was going in the top 24 picks. Like I was very yeah. confident in that. I just don't really get why they had to do this. Yeah, I do you think, do you like, do you think Forbes is better than Gonzalez Banks and Porter? Cause I just don't. I don't live in no, that world. No, I had him. I had him ranked CB five behind all of those guys. There and you go. I think you might be able to make a case for Porter versus Forbes just because of the ball yeah. skills and the ball scheme production and speed, and, and, like right, different and movement. The, yes, ex- exactly. Yes, the former wide receiver background with Forbes, um, how he plays the position. He looks like a great. He looks like a complete natural. Again, you and I have talked about this so many times before. If Emmanuel Forbes was one hundred and eighty pounds, which is still small. But if he was 180, if this pick gets made, I go, all right, okay. And instead, you just have a lot of liability that you have to think about in your head if he's going to continue to play the game at 
sub 170 on the outside in the NFL. It's just a lot to think about, but we knew that he was going pretty high. I just certainly with Christian Gonzalez on the board, I think it's a reach. And Christian Gonzalez goes immediately after that. Patriots get what feels like the exact corner they needed. Oh, perfect. Size. Big. That's that's Smart. something that was sm- like the, Gonzalez Gonzalez is just always like this. Like there's never like big play, okay. Bad play, okay. Like next play. Always like that. It's a very patriot. I liked I liked that for them. I mean, uh great value. Great We're value. About for Campbell. Kalijah can't go into the Buccaneers. I liked it. I think they might Kansi's play him on awesome. the edge. I think they I think, might play him as an edge rusher. Trevor, I'm telling you right now, he's gonna be uh Todd Bowles' like Sheldon Richardson. When Todd had Sheldon Richardson with the Jets, he would stand him up sometimes on the edge and then mm-hmm. kick him all the way down to like one and three. That's that's gotta be what they're thinking with Cansey. Probably. And Sheldon Richardson won they... defensive rookie of the year under Todd Bowles. Good people note. forget. Pe- people, I I forgot. I'm people. I am people. It's very forgettable Jet season. <laughs> if you are projecting what Kalai Jakansi could be, even just as a three technique defensive tackle, I like him on this Buccaneers defensive line because, you know, in theory, when these guys are healthy, you're you've got Logan Hall as a big end. You've got Kalai Jakansi as a three tech. You got Vita Vea next to him. Uh, you got Greg Gaines in the rotation as well, who also brings the beef. Um, oh, he and then does. You've got, and then you got Joe Tryon-Choyinka and Shaq Barrett on the other side as the as the speed rushers. So that, to me, does set up a rotation where you can get one-on-ones with Kalai Jakansi quite often. And I think that you can hide a little bit of those deficiencies with him getting blown off the ball or being susceptible to double teams and things like that. So wouldn't have loved Kansi's fit everywhere in the NFL, admittedly. I think that for some other teams, he might have been more of just a situational player. And maybe he kind of starts that way with the Buccaneers, but I think Todd Bowles has a plan with him, and they're and they're very excited to get him along the defensive line. So I really do, and I, and I did like that pick of Kalijah Jacansi there. We mentioned Smith and Jigba when we talked about the Seahawks Hall. We absolutely both love that. But how about this man? Chargers going Quentin Johnston, Baltimore Ravens going Zay Flowers, Minnesota Vikings going Jordan Addison. Boom, 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 boom. Four wide receivers right off the board, right there in a little wide receiver run. Did you have a favorite spot of Johnson, Flowers, and Addison of those three picks right there? Yeah, ironically, the last one. And somebody in the comment made a good point. The Richardson won Defense Rookie of the Year towards the end of the Rex era. But I do know, so that was my bad. It is way too late, 2 11 in the mm-hmm. morning. Woof. But I do know Bowles was the one that used to stand them up sometimes. So I'm just I'm fascinated by that. Like if Todd saw any Sheldon in Cansey. Um, back to the receivers, Trevor. Ironically for me. It was the last one, Jordan Addison to the Vikings. I, he was wide receiver two for me. I looked at his ability to separate, uh, his ability to do it at all three levels, how much of an improvement as a natural pass catcher he made from his transfer from Pitt to USC. And I go, now he goes to an offense where it's based on, Kevin O'Connell does a really good job scheming guys. It's based on timing throws. Justin Jefferson commands so much attention. Kirk Cousins is going to get the ball out. And you got Jordan Addison now as that that number two or number three guy. I just look at Addison and think he goes into a tailor-made situation that he's built to thrive on. And I'm so excited to watch him play in Minnesota. What about you? Which one of these were you kind of jacked up on? 
I, I like which one was your Mountain Dew? I the the, uh, the the TikTok Shannon Sharp meme where she's like, oh boy. Uh, Quinn Johnston is, I think, the one that I like the most. But honestly, I really do love all four of these spots for these wide receivers. I think JSN is going to thrive in Seattle. I think Quinton Johnston can be a hell of a player with Justin Herbert as his quarterback, especially with the rest of the receivers that they have there. He's not going to be the focal point of the passing attack where he was at TCU, and I think he was getting overshadowed a lot. Um or in coverage, at least they were they were deploying a lot of looks to him just because there wasn't a lot of other weapons. I think Zay Flowers, an underneath guy, is going to be fantastic given the receivers that they already have in Baltimore. You're hoping that Odell Beckham Jr. can come back and be healthy, but love the versatility that, that Zay Flowers is going to be able to show for him as a flanker, as a slot player, maybe even a guy out of the backfield. I think he can get super creative with him, and I think that they definitely will. And then I do like Addison in Minnesota. Now I I. Was wary of Addison being a first-round wide receiver. I wouldn't have had him as a first-round wide receiver. I'm, I'm, I am worried about the size. I've said it before on this pod. I'm worried about the size. But Addison and Justin Jefferson, these route-running savants in the same offense, is is a lot of fun. So, of the three that you asked, Quentin Johnson is the one that I'm most excited about because I do believe that a lot of Quentin Johnson's production lack of production, I should say, was held back because of inconsistent quarterback play that we saw at TCU. And I think it's going to be a different animal uh, with the Chargers. I think they're really going to unlock part of his games that we didn't even see enough of when he was at TCU. So that's the one that I really am most excited about. I don't blame you. I I think the fact that they were taken four in a row, which I don't believe has happened in the modern era of the NFL draft, will be incredible to track their careers. Because they will just they will not be able to escape the comparisons to each other. It was the wide receiver class that everybody lumped every wide receiver together, essentially. And we're gonna see how it goes. So it's exciting to watch. And you know, that kind of transitions, right? Because that did that lead us right up to the Giants moving up for Deontay Banks, or did I skip yep. a pick? It did, no, right? You're right. You're no, you're you're right there because the Giants were picking at 25, but they traded that one spot up with the Jags. And they end up getting Deontay Banks at number 24, who I think is going to be a perfect player for Wink Martindale. 100%. I mean, a man coverage corner that you can leave on the outside. It's beautiful. This is exactly the guy that they would have liked to draft here. And and he kind of fell into their lap, right? One pick. All, all they had to give up was, was a late round pick to move up one to go get him. That's the key. They were aggressive without overplaying their hand. I know last year Wink loved sauce and stingley uh felt like they were a little crushed when you know those guys didn't make it to them and this year i remember i knew they were doing so i you know i do local hits here for tv for smy and obviously primarily you're famous primarily the jets but they'll throw me a giants you know every now and then so the combine you do the giants report yeah famous um (laughs) you do the giants thing and i'm like man they're, they're doing so much homework on corners what are they seeing at 25 that I'm not? Because this is at the time where I knew Witherspoon would be gone. I knew Gonzalez would be gone. And I was pretty confident that Porter and Banks would be gone. Porter obviously slipped tonight. We can talk about that later. And for the Giants here, they were able, they obviously liked Banks and they were able to be aggressive when they saw him fall. And he's somebody that, you know, 190 of his 360 coverage snaps were impressed. They feel like this is a guy they could leave out on an island because of his athleticism and his recovery speed. 
And this is something that Wink Martindale has really uh, banged the table for now for two years. And you look at their corner depth chart, the projections for it in 2024, it's a little barren. So this was a great job by the Giants to walk out of this draft with Deontay Banks at corner. Absolutely love it. Also, absolutely love the Bills moving up a couple of spots, getting in front of the Dallas Cowboys to go get Dalton Kincaid. Fun as hell, man, in that offense. I mean, we talked a lot about the Bills potentially wanting to add not just a slot wide receiver, but but maybe even a wide receiver too in this Mm -hmm. offense. Somebody that could really be a difference maker along with Stephon Diggs. Now you've got an offense that is Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir, Dawson Knox, and Dalton Kincaid. I, I just think that this is a really good receiver to add into the mix. And I do say the word receiver because yes. I, that's what he is primarily going to be used as. This is a mismatch type of chess piece. This is a slot receiver type. This is a big power slot, as Nate Tice loves to say on the athletic show. He does such a great job breaking these guys down as well. But this is a guy who you could play as an X receiver on the line of scrimmage. You could play him in the slot. You could play him in line. For where the Bills want to go, they have seen far too often what Travis Kelsey does for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm not saying that Kincaid is going to be Kelsey. He's already considered one of the greatest tight ends of all time. So I'm no, not you said it. Don Kincaid is Travis Kelsey. Trevor Sigma. No, he's, no, he's better. Actually. Yeah, actually, he's better. He's better. He's better. Gronkowski couldn't, you know, couldn't hold, you know. <laughs> Don Kincaid's jock. I'm not. I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to put myself on a clip right there. So you did it for me. But I think what Kincaid does so well is he finds open space and he's just got such a great feel for being a receiver at that position. There's just not a lot of guys who are of his size who move that well, who catch the ball that well. Him and Buffalo, big thumbs up for me. You talk about, you said power slot and you look at the draft and you get infatuated by pass catchers, but you forget that, you know, you look at Kincaid, you could make an argument that, and I didn't feel this way, but I get why somebody could, that he could be the most impactful pass catcher in this draft. I think he has the best hands in the draft. I think he maximizes his catch radius. I think when you talk about a player in Josh Allen, that has no problem extending the play and letting the play go into backyard mode. You look for a big body target that can be a leaper that can, you know, obviously play above the rim, understands how to find the space, like you said, when the play breaks down. So Bean's very aggressive, uh, and I really, really respect that because they always seem to try to walk out of the draft with an impact player. And Kincaid should be an impact player for Buffalo that you keep on the field with Dawson Knox. Trent asked, can we do a five-minute second round mock draft we're not going to do a second round mock draft but no. we are going to talk about uh the players who are still left on the board here in a second cowboys end up going mozzie smith um jaguars end up going anton harrison bengals end up going miles murphy brian brzee going to the new orleans saints anyone we were on that one for a i mean how many times did we say brzee to the saints when it happened i was like damn it really happened like when I something so the, i got that one in the mock draft competition right there you go absolutely um pumped about that one I really like Miles Murphy to the Bengals, and I feel like this was the most under-the-radar pick in the draft. I, I kind of found myself going full circle with Miles Murphy. So we watched him last summer, really liked him, and couldn't wait to see him grow throughout the season and didn't really see much of any growth throughout the season. I thought he was the same guy. I thought he was a power rusher with straight-line speed that had the long arm in his bag, that had some speed to power, didn't really have a diverse pass rush arsenal, but he's a pro-ready NFL run defender that's going to test well and that has the big body. And, but you just never saw him really take over games. But with that being said, 
you look at all the things I said, and that's still a good NFL player that can grow into something more. And if you're the Bengals, you are in a conference, most importantly, a division that you need those big bodies that don't give up anything against the run, but you can work on tapping into that pass rush potential. And you sat there and got him right. Like I'm a little shocked. Michael Mayer is still on the board here and you could save yeah. that for a little later, but yeah. Miles Murphy at that spot is a really, really productive piece for the defensive line. I mean, his range was all over the place, right? It really I was. Murphy could have gone from 13 to the Packers all the way to right here. We figured he was going to be a first-round pick, but we weren't sure exactly where he was going to land. I do agree with you that I like the landing spot in Cincinnati. I also like Anton Harrison going to the Jags. Now, I, I, it's not just because of the Cam Robinson suspension, but now that Cam Robinson is suspended – you draft a player who hopefully you're going to play for a long time even when Robinson comes back. Yep. But he has so much experience at left tackle. Playing the position is not still something new to him. He started for three years at left tackle for Oklahoma. So even though it's going to be a jump in competition, it's not an unfamiliar style of play. It's something where you can realistically say, hey, our guy is suspended for however long he's going to be suspended. I can't remember if they've come out with the official not official timetable on it yet, but he's going to miss some time to start the year. So you're going to play Anton Harrison at, with the ones basically right away. And I don't think he's going to be super overwhelmed where maybe some other offensive tackles would have been so good on the Jags to not only get a long-term player, but somebody who I think can be plugged in right away. We already talked about Nolan Smith to the Eagles when we gushed about how we loved their haul of Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. And then how, how about Felix Anudike Ozama getting in the first round? Here? Hometown kid, kind of cool. Dude, and, and you know, I don't know. I, I felt a moment of, of um, happiness, gratitude, reflection, whatever it was. When Anudike Ozama got picked as the last player in round one, I thought back to summer scouting and how you and I have just – said his name so many times over the last 10 seriously months ranked him so many times over the last couple of months and um it was just really cool it was cool to hear his name called on in round one because i think we both had him as top five edge rushers coming into the season Maybe we I spent a lot of time years. on him but it was it was it was just cool i i, I love to see that we've got people yelling at us in the chat asking us our opinions about the players that are still available so Connor, when you look at the list of the guys that are still available, what do we start with? Will Levis? Where is Will? Levis I mean, you probably going? got to. Where is Will Levis going? Oh man, I'm pulling up the full order now. Hold on. So Pittsburgh starts things off tomorrow in round two. Then it's Houston. Okay, so like Pittsburgh's not going to take one. Houston's not going to take one, although it could be hilarious. CJ Stroud just versus <laughs> Levis made the best man it, win. It really is the the Batman scene with breaking the pool cue. <laughs> Arizona's not going to take one. Indy won't take one. 36, the Los Angeles Rams. He oh, could man. definitely go well, 36 think, to the Rams. Think about the history there with well, McVeigh and Liam Cohen. Right, right. Like I think Cohen is actually back in Kentucky now. Yes, enough, but like... But still, I agree with you. It's interesting. It's interesting. So I think... But I don't know, is, man. No? You're not sold on it? Is he going to go 40 to the Saints? What about Vegas at 38? You just skipped over Vegas. Oh, okay. Yes. 
he can't make it by Vegas at 38 unless they just don't like the player. I think the Rams at 36, Vegas at 38, Tennessee at 41. Correct. Those are the three. And I would obviously say in that order that I would prioritize how much they would want him. And then he's got to go before then. It can't. We can't be talking like Atlanta forty-four. If you're him, do you go back to the green room tomorrow? Do you go back to the green room, or do you? Are you out? Yeah, you do. You go back. I think I'd go back. You go back because I think it says a lot about you. I would. That's that's kind of how I'm I'm thinking about it too. I think he'll go back. What about Hendon Hooker? Was Hendon do Hooker we... at the draft? No, right? No, 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 no. He okay. wasn't. But I'm, I'm saying, do we think that Hendon Hooker is also going to go early in round two? Or do you think that maybe he was also a little bit of a pawn in this whole process to drum up what would have been the quarterback interest or the quarterback smoke screens? Can I tell you where I'd like him to go? Where? Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. 57 to the Giants. That's where I'd like Hendon Hooker to go. I know they pay Daniel Jones. Very specific. I'm uh, saying I, I, it's not going to happen. The Giants are in, the Giants pay Daniel Jones. They're in on Daniel Jones. Like, I get it. I'm saying for Hendon Hooker. I think Hendon Hooker would be really good under Brian Dable. But when you look at the structure of the Jones contract and the decision the Giants have made, like, they're they're all in on Jones. So that's not going to happen. Um but overall, where I just likes him like, a lot. That's a nice fit too. I was like, I wanted this conversation to be like, what's good for Hendon Hooker, and I thought like the Giants, but not going to happen. Detroit, maybe they pick three times tomorrow in the second round. Oh, they have three. I they traded they for they had two. Didn't they? They got thirty four tonight from Ariz- uh from Arizona. What? No. Yes, yes. Arizona came back up. Detroit picks at 34 now. Right. Because they went back to 12. Detroit right. tomorrow Detroit tomorrow picks at 34, 48, and 55. Yeah. Hendon Hooker's gonna be one of those picks. That's my take on the on the show. We see you guys in the chat. Let us know who you guys want us to want us to talk about. Any landing spots that we see for some of the players. One that, that people have been screaming about has been Brian Branch. Brian Branch still on the board. Such um, a good player. Brian Branch still on the board, Michael Mayer on the board, Joey Porter on the board, Osiris Torrance on the board. Man. So, uh, Branch. So many good players. Where's Branch go? Branch goes, okay, let's run through this again. I can't, I'll tell you where he can't get by. I can't see him getting any further than the Jets at 43. Oh, okay. That would be... He's just too good, and they need another safety. But I think he goes before that. I kind of like him at 40 to the Saints, honestly. Dude, honestly, it's not very hard to find a home for Brian Branch. 34, if 34 is the Lions, that should be Brian Branch. That should be Brian Branch as well. Yeah, That should be Brian Branch, if you ask me. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., the Steelers kick things off at the top of round two. That'd be a fun way to start the day, right? Right. Extremely fun way to start the day. If they like him at all, then he's he's fallen right into their lap at 32. 
Yeah, the early guys tomorrow, Porter, Branch, What about um, Mayer? Where's Mayer Michael going? Mayer. Where is Michael Mayer going to go? You know what one makes the most sense? And this will tell you what they really think of Will Levis. Green The Bay, Ra the Green Raiders Bay at thirty. 42. The Raiders at thirty-eight should take Michael Mayer. Oh, yeah. What's their tight end room like? Foster Moreau cheering for him. He has cancer. He's not playing football right now. Darren Waller. Darren Waller got traded to the Giants. He didn't. He did indeed. This Like is a good those. call. Those are their two tight ends. Okay. And like, Green. can't you can't you see Mayer being their Hunter Henry for McDaniel's? Sure. Like same role. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Green Bay's picking at 42 and 45. I think if Mayer gets to 42, 45 range, he's going to be one of those picks, right? I think They're just going that to take just makes Jonathan too much sense. Mingo. As soon as my comparison was smaller Alan Lazard, I was like, oh, we'll be a Packer. Okay, all right. Uh, what about Osiris Torrance? Colts, 35? There's like a run for Torrance. Colts, 35. Seahawks, 37. Raiders, 38. Yeah, yeah. Saints, 40. Yep. Yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee. just absolute Beef house. road graders. Just Yeah. an absolute beef Porterhouse. house. A porterhouse. <laughs> Oh, oh, Matthew man. Bergeron, Darnell Washington, those two guys. All right, maybe we can round it out with those two guys. Yep, we'll John close Michael it. Schmitz, I'm already penciling in for the Miami Dolphins. Oh, that's a great fit. Miami Dolphins would absolutely love to see it. Darnell Washington? Okay, again, What? Packers. Packers, Lions. Would, would love to see it. I know you're not allowed to say the Lions, but I said it. I'll say the Lions. Lions are going Brian Branch, Darnell Washington, Hendon Hooker with their three picks in the second round. When it happens, come back to the podcast. Remember. Yeah. Who was the oh well, Keon White's gotta go. He went to the draft. He's Oh, gonna yeah. go early tomorrow. Where is Keon White going to go? Possibly Atlanta. They need a big edge. They Ooh, got all these small edge players. I do like Atlanta for Keon Yeah, White. Atlanta makes sense for Keon White. Maybe Con the Steve but says Darnell Washington, the most Packers tight end ever. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Mario said straight meatball sub in Tennessee. Uh, the meatball sub, I'll just never get out of my brain. I still can't believe Dude Perfect came up on the stage. Dude, I, un it's. I was like, the jokes, like Ashton Kutcher's around here, right? Like, everyone's going to run out and be like, oh, like, it was like, no, Dude Perfect really was put on the stage. People are people are asking about Dewan Jones. We'll do Dewan Jones, and then I want to do um, jo uh, Josh Downs, and then we'll get out of here. Okay. Dewan Jones, guys, I don't e I don't even know if he's going to be a second round pick. Now, he might be. Obviously, extremely talented. A lot of people like the tape, but I've just not heard great things throughout the rest of the process since the Senior Bowl. Same. I mean, he dominated. He dominated day one of the Senior Bowl. Didn't practice day two, didn't practice day three. I don't think participated at Ohio State's Pro Day. Didn't want to weigh in at Ohio State's Pro Day. I, I it just from what I have heard, it feels like he has rubbed people the wrong way throughout this process.
And I don't even know if he's a lock for round two. I really don't. I think he could be a candidate for a little bit of a tumble here. We'll see. He carries a lot of mass in his upper body that has not been perceived well by offensive line coaches. Um, Yeah. You know, and these big tackles, like different kind of uh, process, but Daniel Falele last year went in the fourth round and everybody thought he was going in the top 70 for months. So he's just, you can, you can be too big. And I feel like that's happened with Dewan Jones. Uh, who's the last guy? Oh, uh, um, Josh, Josh Downs. Downs, Josh Downs. I like Josh Downs a lot. Where's he going? Carolina 39. That's a really fun fit for him. Come on. Indianapolis 35. Who's Carolina. He got as a slot right now. Cause Indy. Paris Campbell's out of there. Do they play Pierce in the slot? Probably not. No, he's more. He's no. He's a. They 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 flex Pittman in there sometimes, but they don't have like a real slot. Yeah, Josh Downs could be that guy. He can, absolutely. Downs could be the guy. Oh, how about how about the Saints? Ooh, right. Interesting. Interesting. You have Alave and Michael Thomas on the outside. You put Josh Downs in the slot. Don't hate it. Don't hate it. Kind of hot sauce. All right, I've said one more, but I really mean one more. This is the one more. Keanu Benton, where is he going? What are we doing here? New England at 46? New England at 46. Pittsburgh at 49? I think he goes earlier, Trevor. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would have said New Orleans at 40 if they didn't pick Brian Brzee. I would say it starts at 34 with Arizona. I think, I. well, it's 34. Oh, that's the the Lions now. Right. That's right. It's the Lions. That would have right, been a good right, pick for Arizona. Right. Hey, Lions could use them. They need that. They need that. They do need some beef. They need some beef on the interior. They need a little. Need a little extra beef. All right. There we go. There we go, folks. Over twelve hundred watching. We love. Watching sing- we, love cold we, we we love every single one of you for staying up with us. Really, like after round one. Really do to watch the show. Pretty uh, I. It, it, it's insane. They're saying they're saying that Arizona has thirty three. No, it's pick. everybody. Everybody's saying that they ha- Arizona has thirty three. Have we been played? Ladies and, this, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we've been had. I'm staring at a, tr- a field eight's trade that says the Lions traded pick six and eighty one, and the Cardinals traded pick. In return, 12, 34, and 168. The Lions have 34. I need I need to answer. Oh, Arizona has 33 because they got Houston's pick. My God, we just got yeah. walked around a maze. Okay, so Keanu Benton at 33. Thank you, everyone. Too All many right, trades. Too many there trades. Or not enough. Everybody, who, everybody who's listening audio only, thank the chat for correcting us. Yes, late at thank night you for elite they're, podcasting. They're more attentive than us. Yes. Oh, man. People in the chat are just <laughs> destroying us right now. Because That's we fine. Couldn't keep, we couldn't keep up with this. That's why we have you guys, right? We say it all the time. This isn't just us doing the podcast. It's everybody doing the podcast. We're all playing in the podcast together. We're all doing the podcast together. We love you guys for staying up with us. Hopefully you enjoyed the first round of the draft. This is only the tip of the iceberg for the coverage that we have. Connor and I are going to be back on, well, I'm going to be back on the desk. Connor's going to be back on, on, on his desk. I'm a PFF. He's going to be at NBC. You're doing reaction videos throughout the whole weekend, right? Yes. We, tonight we shot one for every single pick. I think it'll be a little bit more sporadic throughout the rest of the draft. 
Okay, and then uh, we us over at PFF, we're going to be doing live draft coverage throughout all of rounds two and three tomorrow, and then four and seven the next day Hell for yeah. day three. But then when the, the the next time that you are going to see Connor and I's faces on this platform for this podcast on Sunday, we are going to record a massive grade episode for every single team we are going to go through every single team in the nfl post draft and give you a draft grade break down all the different picks for your draft so if we didn't get to it tonight if we really didn't focus a ton on your team tonight like connor said we're going to focus on all of them individually and really go in depth on a lot of them what we liked about it what we didn't for the grades episode that's going to be coming out on sunday so that one's going to be coming out on sunday look for that if you didn't get to fire out your takes uh, on what you thought of night one of the NFL draft here live as we are doing this, you can do so in the comments section afterward, youtube.com backslash at NFL stock exchange. It's the best way to get your voice here in on the pod for us to read it and react to it. We can respond to as many of those as we possibly can. If you guys are listening audio only, because we are going to put this bad boy up on audio, um, you can do so. Uh, by getting by hitting us up at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers on Twitter and Instagram. Um, thank you guys for listening, and whenever you are listening to this for your recap and digestion of what was round one, buddy. Enjoy rounds two and three, and then day three as well. To everybody else out there, I'm saying the same thing. But uh, you got anything else before we get out of here? A huge thank you for everybody that stayed up with us or woke up with us, uh, Mister and Mister Worldwide status. Uh, this has been super, super fun, and I can't wait for the great show. It's going to be a mega show. So thank you, everyone, for the support, and keep rolling with us. Oh, uh, man. Lauren said more live streams in the future, please. We will try it to is throw fun. these in as we keep going because this was a good time. Appreciate everybody watching and hanging out with us. I'm Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.